Well, hello and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. As you know, if you have been tuning into this uh, podcast, we cover some cobwebby corners of jazz recorded history. And today, we're going to take it a little bit further afield, uh, if you will. This is uh, going to be devoted to uh, sort of a kind uh, of a amalgam of jazz in the swing era and western swing. Western swing is a style of country, western, uh, hillbilly, folk, jazz, what have you, that uh, started growing in the mid-1930s. Actually, it went back to the early 1930s. Some bands uh, that you may have heard of if you've listened to these podcasts that were led by people like Bob Wills, Milton Brown, Roy Newman, they uh, did a kind of a cross-section of jazz and uh, what we would call country music today. And they were quite popular. By the mid-40s, they were more popular than the swing bands. They were outdrawing them at uh, uh, clubs and dance halls, especially on the West Coast. But the music grew up uh, first in the Texas Panhandle, Texas and Oklahoma, and was primarily done for dancing. Uh, we're going to be hearing... Uh, as I said, a kind of a cross-section of some different types of music here that features some Western Swing stars. I should also mention the term Western Swing uh, wasn't used until the mid-40s. This was uh, music that was called a variety of other things, from hillbilly to old-time music, folk, um, or simply jazz. The musicians who played this type of music in those bands that I mentioned earlier considered themselves to be jazz musicians. Some of the great swing era musicians from the late 30s started to take notice of the popularity of these groups and their recordings and began to cover some of their hits. Bing Crosby, uh, most notably, uh, recorded a number of country tunes that had been uh, written and recorded by Ernest Tubb, among others. Things like Walking the Floor with You and then um, the uh, Bob Wills tune, San Antonio Rose, and so forth. And Bing's brother Bob and the Bobcats had a number of minor hits with those tunes as well. One band leader who was trying to jump on the bandwagon and uh, uh, did so, although finding that success eluded him as it did in many other uh, attempts that he made at popularity in the 1920s and 30s, was Ben Pollock. Ben Pollock was a drummer who uh, was from Chicago. He played with some of the early white jazz groups, the New Orleans Rhythm Kings, before founding his own band, the Park Central Orchestra, which made recordings in New York in the late 1920s, featuring people like Benny Goodman and uh, Jack Teagarden, Glenn Miller, Jimmy McPartland, and so forth. He had led bands on the West Coast as well as in Chicago before that, and uh, he was considered to be, uh, or his band was considered to be one of the best white jazz groups of the late 1920s, just pre-cursing uh, the swing era. Uh, he was not a, a, a well-loved uh, band leader, and his bands routinely left him for greener pastures. In fact, the Bob Crosby band was uh, an offshoot of the Pollock band. They basically all left him at the same time and became a cooperative organization. Uh, by the late 1930s, mid to late 1930s, Pollock had a pretty good uh, swing band that had people like uh, Harry James, uh, Muggsy Spanier, Irving Fazola, uh, people like that who were... Uh, creating some very good music. They had some good swing charts, some Fletcher Henderson charts, and uh, uh, Pollock uh, was a, a good businessman, if not a good personal Nell manager. Uh, he also saw that this country, western, western swing, what have you, style of music was quite popular, and so he wanted to start making records in that style. Well, jazz musicians of this time heard that music and those bands as being quite corny, and they tended to overestimate, uh, or overemphasize, I should say, some of what we would call corny elements today, and we'll hear some of that on these recordings. Uh, Pollock's bands had made a few uh, comedy records in the late 1920s, including one of Shirt Tail Stomp. They recorded that a couple of times, which was a, a corned-up version of the St. Louis Blues, featuring Benny Goodman and uh, Glenn Miller, Bud, uh, or, or Fudd Livingston, among others. Uh, and that was kind of the style that these bands were later playing in. And we're going to hear a number of recordings that were made by Pollock-led, uh, directed, produced units uh, that went under the name of the Rhythm Wreckers. And these uh, were groups that recorded for Vocalion in oh, 1936, 1937 or so. The first session was done in New York in 1936. We're actually going to finish off the program with a couple of tunes from that session. We'll tell you about those when that time comes. But we're going to feature... Um, some of the Vocalion recordings from March and June right now of 1937. 
And these featured members of the Pollock Band at the time. We've done a podcast of uh, the Ben Pollock Pickerib Boys, uh, which was a small group offshoot of the big band uh, that featured some of these very same musicians playing a much more jazz-oriented style. We're going to hear Muggsy Spanier, the great Chicago cornet player, uh, brightening the uh, the mood here in some places, playing some of his patented bluesy, plunger-muted style. We're also going to hear a fellow named Ben Cantor, who was a very underrated jazz clarinet player, who had been one of Benny Goodman's original musicians on the Let's Dance broadcasts in about 1934-35. He uh, went with Pollock to the West Coast, and I think he stayed there as a studio musician. Here he plays sometimes some corny clarinet, but sometimes some very good jazz clarinet as well. We're going to hear on vocals a fellow named Whitey McPherson, who was a teenager at the time. He was uh, from the South. He was a country singer who had been very much influenced by Jimmy Rogers, the singing brakeman, who was also known as the Blue Yodeler. And we'll hear some yodeling on here as well. Uh, and he play sings some, um, you wouldn't call them hip vocals, I guess, but some very uh, musical vocals in the style, I have to say. There's a fellow named Danny Stewart on here playing steel guitar. Of course, steel guitar was one of the key instruments in this style. Uh, we'll hear him. And uh, who the other players are, we're not absolutely sure, uh, but presumably they were members of the Pollock Band, which would include Bob Lane on piano, uh, Gary McAdams on guitar, Francis Palmer on bass, and possibly Graham Stevenson, if not Ben Pollock himself, on drums. So uh, some version of that uh, band is included here as well. We're going to start out with the St. Louis Blue. Actually, we're going to start out with September in the Rain, one of the few kind of out-and-out -out jazz versions here uh, that we will hear. We're going to hear um, this band playing uh, along with um, a vocal by a lady named Pauline Byrne, who was more of a country singer. She may have sung with Pollock at the time. We're not sure about that. This was from June 16th of 1937. I should mention all of these are for Vocalion and were recorded in Los Angeles. From there, we're going to hear a version of the St. Louis Blues from March of 1937, which will introduce us to Whitey McPherson. And then, uh, Whitey McPherson singing, or actually covering, Jimmy Rogers' big hit, Blue Yodel Number no. 1, which was one of his most uh, influential songs, including the yodel, but the lyrics as well. That comes from early June of 1937. Then we're going to hear a kind of a jazz corn pone version of the 12th Street Rag, Uday Bowman's uh, ragtime tune from the 1910s. Louis Armstrong, of course, recorded this with the Hot 7 in 1927. It wasn't released until uh, after this recording. It was uh, held on the shelf until the mid-40s, I believe. Uh, and then we're going to finish up with the Irving Berlin standard, Marie, which features Danny Stewart on uh, steel guitar and also on a kind of a faux Hawaiian vocal in there, kind of a fun uh, little example of this style. So those are our tunes for the first set. September in the Rain, St. Louis Blues, Blue Yodel Number no. 1, The Twelfth Street Rag, and Marie, all done by the Rhythm Wreckers, featuring Muggsy Spanier, Ben Cantor, Danny Stewart, Ben Pollock, and Whitey McPherson. <laughs> Thank you. 
I guess I'd call hybrid swing, swing along with country and even a little Hawaiian in there in some places. We started out with a pretty straight-ahead jazz performance of September in the Rain, featuring Muggsy Spanier and Cornet. He recorded that for uh, Commodore a few years later. Um, we also heard Ben Cantor on clarinet. As I said, he was a very good clarinet player. He recorded with Pollock quite a bit in the late 1930s. He can be heard on that other podcast we did. Then we went to St. Louis Blues and Blue Yodel Number no. 1, both of which featured the, the vocal uh, talents of Whitey McPherson, who at the time, uh, this being 1937, was 14 years old. He was born in 1923. Uh, he ended up uh, having kind of an odd, not terribly satisfactory career. He uh, worked on the West Coast. He apparently worked in the in film for a while. He very briefly uh, was featured on one of the Mexican radio stations, which was uh, operating right on the border of the United States, uh, with very high-powered signals, so it could be beamed all over the country without having to uh, deal with some of the pesky regulations of the United States. He uh, performed there along with Woody Guthrie, and uh, Guthrie remembered him later on as one of the better things at that radio studio at that point. So his singing uh, goes through those two tunes. We heard St. Louis Blues, some very nice Muggsy Spanier at the beginning, playing his plunger muted thing. There was a response uh, to his cornet phrases, which I couldn't quite identify the instrument. It might have been a clarinet mouthpiece with no clarinet. And then we heard Ben Cantor come in a little bit later. Uh, and on Blue Yodel number one, we heard the uh, Jimmy Rogers tune. Jimmy Rogers was really a pervasive influence in American music. He's never been given his due, but in the 1930s, even though he died in, I think it was 1934, of tuberculosis, his recordings of uh, a variety of material, yodels, blues songs, Tin Pan Alley songs, uh, ballads from the 1890s, all kinds of things were very, very influential on the next generation of country music singers, in fact, the next several generations, and even some jazz players as well. Then we went to the 12th Street Rag, which is kind of a deliberately corny version uh, of that tune. We heard a, a clarinet solo uh, by Ben Cantor, which I guess was kind of a, a set clarinet solo. Pete Fountain did it later on in New Orleans. Uh, I should also mention Cantor quoted quite liberally from the Larry Shields clarinet solo on the uh, original Dixieland Jazz Band recording of St. Louis Blues on this version of St. Louis Blues, so he knew his history there. And then we finished up with Marie, some steel guitar uh, by Danny Stewart, but most notably his vocal doing some Hawaiian. I don't know if it was double talk or not, but uh, it uh, obviously was very lighthearted. 
So we're going to go on to another series of sessions uh, by the Rhythm Wreckers that uh, gave Whitey McPherson label credit in this case. And uh, these are recordings that were kind of neither fish nor fowl. Uh, Brian Rust in his jazz discography does list them. He obviously thought that they were much more uh, country-centered. Uh, and the country uh, discographies, the, the Western Swing discography, doesn't list these either. They obviously thought they were more jazz-oriented. So kind of in the middle there. We're not exactly sure on some of these who the personnel was. Uh, presumably they were some of the Pollock musicians. Um, the uh, CD that came out of Whitey McPherson and the Rhythm Wreckers uh, on BACM suggests that on one of these sessions, the later one, it was Joe Venuti and Fudd Livingston and Manny Klein. Uh, it really doesn't sound like any of them. Uh, so I'm, I'm inclined to say it was still an, uh, an offshoot of the Pollock band, which was still in uh, Los Angeles on the West Coast during this period. So we're going to start out with the James P. Johnson tune, Old Fashioned Love. And this is uh, from the session of November 9th of 1937. And uh, we're going to hear actually three, three tunes. Uh, make that four tunes from this session. We're going to hear, now nah, let's just do three. Old Fashioned Love, The Meanest Thing Blues, and Little Lady. And uh, those are all uh, tunes that uh, will feature Whitey McPherson on vocals. Definitely not Muggsy Spanier on this. Looking at the Pollock personnel from that period, I guess I'd have to say it might have been Clyde Hurley on trumpet. Still seems like Ben Cantor, and um, presumably the other members of the rhythm section that I mentioned earlier. Bob Lane on piano, Gary Adams on guitar, Francis Palmer on bass, and I think it was Ben Pollock on drums. Some of his uh, stylistic elements are definitely present on these things. So after that, we're going to go to two tunes from the next year, April 2nd of 1938. And this is where the personnel starts getting very murky here. Um, I'm not sure if Pollock was uh, involved in this, but if it is, it's, we'll have to say it's, it's sort of a similar type of group. Um, probably uh, Clyde Hurley again on trumpet. Uh, possibly Andy Seacrest uh, in this case. We might hear Opie Cates on clarinet. Uh, again, Bob Lane on piano, Bob Hempfel on guitar, Slim Jim Taft on bass, and Pollock or Graham Stevenson on drums. Um, so I guess we'd probably have to say that's uh, a rough personnel here. We have some nice violin solos too, which may be by Al Beller, who was playing with Pollock at the time. And the tunes we're going to hear from this session are Trouble in Mind, the uh, Richard M. Jones blues tune, and uh, Blue Yodel Number no. 5, another one of Jimmy Rogers' Blue Yodels. So this is the Rhythm Wreckers with Whitey McPherson, Old Fashioned Love, The Meanest Thing Blues, Little Lady, Trouble in Mind, and Blue Yodel Number no. 5. <laughs> Thank you. 
back, oh Lord, to see a train a coming down the railroad track. I'm a love to hear the bar from an old smoke stack. He yodeled, oh Definitely popular music of the 30s, late 30s, kind of hard to categorize. You've got swing and some Dixieland influence, as well as the, the Western or, or country influence, and some Hawaiian as well. So Ben Pollock, if it was he running these sessions, definitely trying to cover all the bases there for Vocalion Records. We started out with three tunes from November 9th of 1937, Old Fashioned Love, The Meanest Thing Blues, and Little Lady, all of which... Um, featured uh, Whitey McPherson on vocals. And uh, Little Lady uh, and, uh, well, Little Lady anyway, was a Jimmy Rogers tune. Uh, Old Fashioned Love, of course, was uh, the James P. Johnson number. And Meanest Thing Blues was uh, credited to Marsala. I don't know if that was Joe Marsala, the clarinet player, or not. I think it might have been. So that band featured, uh, again, an offshoot of the Pollock group, probably Clyde Hurley in this case on trumpet, along with Ben Cantor on clarinet, and that uh, rhythm section, as far as we know anyway, uh, Bob Lane on piano, and he gets a, a solo on Little Lady, so presumably it was he, Bob Hemphill, or rather... Um, Gary McAdams on guitar, Francis Palmer on bass, and probably Ben Pollock on drums, along with Danny Stewart uh, on steel guitar. Then the next session uh, gave us Trouble in Mind and Blue Yodel Number no. 5 from April 2nd of 1938. Again, not at all sure of the personnel. If it was the Pollock Band, we had the rhythm section of Lane, Bob Hemphill on guitar, Slim Jim Taft on bass, and Pollock or Graham Stevenson on drums. Probably Andy Sechrist, I guess, or Bob Goodrich, maybe, on trumpets. Um, on clarinet, it could have been Opie Cates or possibly Bud Carlton. Not sure, again, who. I think it might have been uh, Bud Carlton. I think he was the clarinet soloist with the band at the time. Along with Al Beller on violin and, I guess, Danny Stewart on guitar, or steel guitar as well. So we're going to do one more shorter set for you. We're going to go back to the Muggsy Spanier sides. Uh... We're going to start with another Blue Yodel. Jimmy Rogers recorded 12 of those. Uh, they weren't unified in terms of text or anything like that, but they were just blues that uh, uh, involved yodeling, usually an extra four measures or so at the end of a blues chorus, yodeled thus. Uh, so Blue Yodel uh, number three came from that June 17th, 1937 session. And uh, the next one, Red-Headed Music Maker from June 9th of 1937. Again, uh, Muggsy Spanier and Ben Cantor and probably many of the rest of the Pollock guys as well. We're going to finish off the program with uh, two tunes that were recorded at the first Rhythm Records session. This was done in New York uh, in September of 1936, September 21st of 1936, again for Vulcanian Records. And this featured members of the Pollock Band from that period, before they went west, and it features two notables, especially. We have Harry James on trumpet and Irving Fazola on clarinet. Uh, so we have some interesting 
jazz and not so much jazz on this one. We're going to hear the Wabash Blues, kind of a corny version of that, and then a very straight-ahead version of Alice Blue Gown that's a nice bookend to this uh, program. The first one we heard was September in the Rain, which was a pretty straight-ahead jazz performance, and this one is as well, featuring some especially nice uh, Irving Fazola. Uh, other members of this band, we just don't know. Um, it could have been uh, Freddie Slack on piano. Uh, it could have been um, Nappy Lamar. Actually, it probably wasn't Nappy Lamar. It was probably Frank Federico on guitar. Possibly Joe Price on steel guitar. Thurman Teague on bass. And likely uh, Ben Pollock on drums. This was done shortly after the uh, session that... Uh, produced the Dean and his kids' side, spreading knowledge around Jimtown Blues and so forth. So very similar group without the extra horns in this case. So those are our four tunes to finish up this uh, Rhythm Records program. From Los Angeles in 1937, we're going to hear Blue Yodel Number no. 3 and Red-Headed Mama. And then from uh, September of 1936 in New York, we're going to hear the Wabash Blues and Alice Blue Gown. Thank you. 
There you have the Rhythm Wreckers, the last two sides. Well, certainly the last side was about the most jazzy we heard today. Alice Blue Gown, preceded by the Wabash Blues, featuring uh, Harry James on trumpet and Irving Fazola on clarinet, both members of the Ben Pollock Orchestra from this period, which was September of 1936. Might have heard some Freddie Slack on piano, kind of hard to tell in there. And also Ben Pollock, very likely on drums, uh, uh, Thurman Teague on uh, bass, uh, and on um, the uh, steel guitar in that case... I think it was probably uh, a fellow named Joe Price who recorded some steel guitar um, solos with the full band around the same time. And again, this was done in New York before the band headed west to uh, California where it made all its other sides, including the first two that we heard, Blue Yodel Number no. 3 and Redheaded Music Maker. I announced it as Redheaded Mama. That's a different tune. But this was Redheaded Music Maker uh, composed by Hall. I'm not sure who that was. Uh, but that featured Muggsy Spanier on cornet and Ben Cantor on clarinet, along with Danny Stewart on steel guitar and the Ben Pollock rhythm section. We also heard Whitey McPherson on vocals in those performances. So I hope you've enjoyed this kind of unusual uh, show for the uh, jazz focus. Uh, we heard the Rhythm Wreckers, which was a kind of a hybrid uh, group uh, swing and uh, Dixieland musicians, white musicians, who were trying to uh, break into the uh, hillbilly market, I guess you'd have to say. Before it was called Western Swing, that's pretty much what it was. We even had some Hawaiian influence in there as well. So some interesting uh, attempts at uh, crossover and, 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 and market uh, uh, pollination and what have you. Uh, all these sides, as far as we know anyway, were produced and led by Ben Pollock, the drummer, with members of his orchestra. So, thank you for joining us. You've been listening to The Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. Hope you're interested in uh, helping us continue these programs. If you'd like to be our sponsor, please hit that little button on your browser. Our home is anchor.fm, but we can be heard on Spotify, Apple, um, all sorts of different places where you hear your finer podcasts. So please let us know that you're thinking of us, and uh, we'll keep making these programs. So thank you, and I'll see you on the other side.